You're listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association, where we discuss the latest market trends in outdoor recreation. And now, here are your hosts, Kelly Davis and Patrick Hogan. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Outdoors. I'm your host, Patrick Hogan. In this episode, Kelly and I describe the process of forecasting sales to gauge our expectation of future markets. We've seen a lot of market volatility across the outdoor industry in recent years. So what can we expect from future trends? We'll discuss some recent work that People for Bikes conducted with S&P Global and describe the role of forecasting in a data-driven organization. Let's get into it. I think in the hands of the right people, forecasts are great, really powerful tools. But if someone doesn't understand how to use it, it can be really misleading because those sorts of terms aren't used as frequently, like confidence intervals and margins of error. Someone just wants to know, like, yeah, to the to whatever uh, level of precision you can tell me, how many units are we going to sell next year? Yeah, well, no doubt. I mean, projections are designed to make a decision for you. They're designed to inform your decision. Um, yeah. And it's re- it's really I mean, it's a derivative, right? You're looking you're looking at a large group of variables and, and figuring out you know which are the most sensitive, which you can you know what's pliable in that equation, and what can you do to maximize your bottom line um, and maximize the performance of your supply chain in a world that's vastly disrupted right now, right? I, I it is it is really interesting to think about you know a, a cadre of of, of um, economics PhDs, you know, yeah, just just working away on their little part of the formula. But you were talking about things like social unrest and and you know war, particularly. Um, but social unrest in China is gonna it's got to be part of that formula now, since you know the protests over zero COVID. We probably don't know as much as we should about that. And when you're talking about that, I was thinking about a source that I usually go to, you know, several times a year just for for context. But if you're doing business outside the U.S., you need to read the CIA fact book. So the CIA fact book will go through each and every country and tell you basically, you know, what their position is vis-a-vis us. And and it'll give you some information about what it's like to do business in that or travel to that country or not, as the case might be. I mean, they'll yeah. tell you, you know, probably not a safe place to travel like Syria, probably no go for you unless you really want to be a mercenary. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I mean, there this is this is really important because projections are are a compendium of all of the data that you might need to, you know, to understand the dynamics of your market and forecast for the next year. But yeah. as we were saying earlier, I mean, one of the problems is that it uses a lot of past data. Um, and, you know, right now it's it's really difficult because everything's anomalous, right? The, there, yeah. you, maybe you're going to see a pattern. Some people, there are people that, that have, uh, that are sort of hyper aware, their brain just creates patterns in everything they see. I happen to be one of those people, unfortunately, like I look at the sky and, you know, if there's a cloud up there, it looks like something. It's called pareidolia. I'm pareidolic. And it's it's just the, you know, it's it's my my general compunction to see a pattern in everything just because that's what yeah. my brain does. That's kind of what the economists are looking for. And they're using past data to create things like like multipliers. To figure out if you do this, it creates X, 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 X effect. And I, I mean, it's really interesting and and super valuable. What did you learn? What did you learn from what they did? So you're talking about the report. We, we People for Bikes, just received our first report from S&P Global, which we're calling a global risk and opportunity forecast. And it's this like quarterly report that includes quantitative and qualitative assessments of 
the threats that are looming on the horizon and the opportunities that we see being fortuitous for the bike industry. And all of it's sort of wrapped up into a demand forecast model for for the whole bike industry, but also for specific categories that we we sort of identified as unique, like kids' bikes and electric bikes and um, service and parts. What we learned, I think, kind of like uh, you were saying before we started recording, there are anomalous data in 2021 and 22, and, and how do we deal with that? I I think the biggest thing that I took away from it was that at some point we're going to return to normal and it'll be okay, right? Like I, I think having someone else come in and be like, hey, it's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. We see these little blips here, but we see it evening out and some of these trends that we're used to, so like substituting electric bikes for non-electric bikes and um, those markets kind of eating each other's lunch almost just a little bit, but but growing the pie overall as we see more people getting on bikes because electric bikes are a solution for so many issues, a solution for climate change, a solution for riders who are no longer like physically able to ride anymore, but they want to they want to like hang with the group. And so they're on an electric bike now. It's <laughs> like it's it's fun. You can't I, I forget there's a there's a term for it, but like you can't not smile when you get on an electric bike for the first time. It's just fun. Oh, I love um, it. You know I so, love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of these I just looking at their projections for the US market, it's good to be reminded that some of the wackiness that we're seeing in in especially the 2022 market is going to level out before too long. You know, like we're we're in a spot right now where we have pretty high inventory levels for some categories that are like lower entry level price, things like kids bikes and BMX bikes and cruisers. And that's tying up cash for our retailers. And that's consuming space that they could otherwise be using for higher end bikes. But those high end bikes really aren't there yet in in the quantity that we need. So like road bikes, especially have a really narrow supply chain. Like there's there's only a couple different folks that are operating in that component space. And um, it it just sort of creates these delays that we still haven't been able to correct for yet. But looking at these projections, it's it's just sort of comforting to go like, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be tough for the next year or two. And I think it's going to it's going to level out and we'll be all right. Yeah, that is soothing. It sounds like they considered a lot of different potential disruptions, including I'm just I'm sort of stuck on you know, social unrest in China right now. But yeah. I mean, there are things going on worldwide that could affect uh, supply chains, including, let's call it a dearth of, of certain materials, right? I mean, if we can't find yeah. titanium in the market, how much of a, how much, what, how did they consider issues like that? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know if they, if they explicitly included that in the report, I'm sure that informs the models in some ways. Uh, yeah, you're, kind of the uh, material shortages you described like that I, i'm sure it affected the greater outdoor industry too but rubber was something that uh was really limited in supply during the pandemic and tires and tubes were, were hard to come by and, and they yeah. were increasingly expensive when you were able to find them as we imagine sort of the global economy i think zooming out from like just what's happening in my company what's happening in my market and understanding what these macro trends mean for you and your business is really helpful just to ground ourselves in all the different factors that are push or pull factors affecting our ability to successfully sell our products. Yeah, no doubt. And one thing, uh, I mean, a fa financial projection, we were talking about patterns and, the, and pareidolia. Patterns matter. And even though we've gone yeah. through a huge, a huge amount of disruption over the last three years, patterns still matter. You know, it's not just a throw out the window kind of a thing. It's but yeah, like you were saying earlier, you know, it, the world the world doesn't work in zero and well, 
at some level, maybe zeros and ones, but I'm talking about distributions. So, you know, things aren't either one way or another. Many times they they land somewhere on a distribution with a margin of error. And I mean, my tolerance, my tolerance for a high margin of error has gone up actually during yeah, the pandemic, yeah. because I mean, it basically, instead of in what, what we're getting are eh, kind of fuzzy pictures. And, you know, we're not in 4K right now in, in terms of our projections. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah. like if I just if I just shut the you know the the one eye I had surgery on and try and look at the screen that's basically the view that our financial projections are providing it's fuzzy you know I have to think about it a little bit but it still will in you know help inform future decisions in a market that's that's really you know a little bit confusing right now yeah I think you know in the middle of the pandemic you and I I'm I, I'm going to speak for both of us because I assume you had the same experience were asked questions about what to expect later on during the pandemic. And that's the hardest thing in the world. And I know economists, the the joke is that an economist's answer to any question is, well, it depends. Um, but that's, <laughs> but that's exactly what it is. I mean, like, you know, it, it depends on a lot. Like we saw temporary changes in city infrastructure, city layouts uh, that would allow for and encourage active transportation and bicycling in 200 cities across the U.S. during the pandemic. It's hard to tell how bicycle demand in six months or 12 months or 24 months is going to be affected if we don't know like what our cities even look like. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. But yeah, I I like that you said you have more and more tolerance for a higher margin of error, a wider confidence interval. Yeah, because it is, you know, it is our duty to create some sort of forecast or projection or like set expectations at least a little bit. But Sometimes the grain of salt that accompanies that is just larger than um, larger than we'd like, but that's that's the social science that we operate in. Yeah, and economics, social science, because humans aren't rational, and that, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one of the problems with with a lot of projections is that you can't you can't always predict what humans are going to do. They don't always make the decision that's that's rational, that's actually in their best interest. So go figure. Yeah. And when it gets really interesting, you've got several several types of disruptions working together. For example, we were talking about battery technology. Imagine major innovation disrupting the battery market along with an, a, a sudden wave of another COVID variable or another COVID variant in yeah. China. So you've got social unrest, you've got, you've got actual pandemic continued and just a sudden change in technology. I mean, it just imagine if those three things happened at the same time and they very well could. They very well could, but this is these are the kinds of scenario planning conversations that you can have once you have a financial projection because it it could raise all of those conversations. And I think thinking through it is one of the most important things that you can do. You know, if if you're really really getting the most out of your financial projection, you're just gonna you're gonna sit down and think through all of these aspects together and make decisions after that. Yeah, that's the right way to use a projection. Um, let me ask you a question: Once completed. For for how long is a financial projection still relevant? Until the I'm situation looking. changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like the way that I describe it is like yeah. as soon as it's done, it's already out of date, right? Like because things are constantly changing, and that yeah. requires like it, no, that doesn't mean you need to constantly be churning out projections, but that does mean that um, understanding that all of these are variable inputs and they um, these levels are adjusted and 
just adjust your expectations as you go along. That's the right way to use a, a projection, not to, uh, to like frame it and put it on the wall and go, this is exactly what's going to happen. And here in year three, we're going to keep with this projection that we had in year zero. And we're going to expect all these. No, it's not how it works. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe your CFO's last name is Nostradamus. I don't know. That could happen. <laughs> right. Do I get to talk about the null hypothesis on a podcast now? Cool. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. I mean, Everyone's really... going to drop off. Bye. <laughs> no, kidding. The no hypothesis is awesome because the idea is you've got an equation, you just ch- keep chucking variables at it to see what's going to have an impact. And, you know, basically that's that's what you've got to, you've got to do that with, you take your financial projection and you keep thinking about the inputs, you know, what, what is happening with all of these variables. And yeah. if you can, if you can start thinking about this as a multivariate equation in your head, which nobody can, except for geeks like me, that's that's when you start to be able to see, okay, well, if this happens, then that's probably going to affect X, Y, Z down the line. Yeah. And you start to understand that a little bit better when you start thinking in terms of, of your formula. And even if things do change, then it helps you. It helps you understand the variables that are that are actually impacting your bottom line. Yeah, I like that. So so the forecasting that People for Bikes is providing our members through S&P Global is all based on econometric models, right? So you you kind of described a process of identifying variables. And I think there's, um, if I were to, to create two camps, there's like the data scientist camp, which is just focused on identifying variables that explain the variation in the dependent variable. But econometric models bring into the equation so much more theory and um, so much more context to to provide a super relevant model that um, doesn't sacrifice any sort of um, confidence in, in the final results. Yeah, I think, you know, if, if I were to just paint with a really broad brush, I think um, the econometric models that we've provided are, are really intuitive because, you know, it's things like household income. It's things like participation. It's it's these like big trends that we know are going to affect bicycle purchases as opposed to the, the method of just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. That's not you a know. bad method, by the way. Yeah, depending on depending <laughs> on what your project is, like yeah, you know, d- sometimes that's what it calls for. But I was, um, I was kind of being literal. I was literally, it's not a bad method. I mean, if oh, you're, yeah, if you're yeah. trying to cook spaghetti, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it works. It works. <laughs> yeah, it's econometric models are are again, you know, they're not they're not s- straight up uh, mathematical equations. They're they're basically yeah. thinking through irrational human behavior and patterns. And it's super valuable. I'm, I want to, I, I can't wait to read it. I make clear five hours of my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I am very right. interested in, in what it says. It is, I mean, it's been a rough three years. It's been rough. Yeah. And, and you know, there we've got, we've got effects of that coming at us for the next couple of years. Um, and I'm interested. And I, and I think that the market's interested I guess we will see. Oh, yeah. 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 Do you have any forecasting work from OIA or OF? I can tell you what the BEA says about 2021. <laughs> and uh, I mean, yeah. honestly, well, that's, that's a, we're almost in 23. So it's... I've got predictions, but I don't have an econometric projection for you. When I think about um, projecting forward, I think about what patterns that I consider participation is definitely one. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've got to think about 51 different categories and they, you know, they're vastly different. I mean, there's a big difference between alpine skiing and, and say pickleball, right? But I've got to think about both of them and different things are happening in different categories. Speaking of pickleball, holy shit, pickleball. I mean, that's pickleball, <laughs> pickleball came out awesome. of nowhere. I love pickleball. Yeah. I, 
We've been talking about pickleball for about <laughs> 10 years in the in the physical activity council. We've been talking yeah. about um, because but no one cared until COVID. It seems like only the last three years did it become cool. Yeah. And I, it but, doesn't make yeah. sense to me why it's cool, but it is, which I guess means I'm out of touch. But yeah, because old people like it, Patrick, and you're not an old person yeah. yet. I get it because uh, I am an old person. <laughs> <laughs> I am fully expecting to get a pickleball set for Christmas as a gift. Beautiful. Somebody's going to, that's, that's like the single girl candle of 2022 Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, I cut you off. Um, you were talking about kind of the-, the Different um, categories in outdoor and patterns. Yeah, the factors that affect different categories and everything you have to keep in mind as you're trying to describe outdoor rec as a whole. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, supply chains are different in every category. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, we're, we could talk about apparel and supply chains for a long time, but- you know, when you're talking about gear and supply chains, it's all over the place. And, you know, there there are other things that could affect the market. I mean, focusing on chip manufacturing in the U.S. could change the market. Battery technology can change oh, our yeah. market. Um, a, a shortage of rare earth minerals could change our market. I mean, so many things can have and and so many things do have an impact on our market that I think it's important if if you're a business owner, and I am actually a business owner, in addition to all this other job stuff, you really have to think about, you know, where your product's being manufactured and what's happening there. And you got to think of it on a human level. I mean, if yeah, and you should, yeah. you know, honestly, if you're thinking about things like sustainability, you're already thinking about your supply chain that way. So, I mean, it's it's just a matter of really thinking through a, just a raft of patterns. And, you know, sometimes I, when I'm when I'm trying to be cute, I call this, you know, the confluence of exogenous variables. It's basically just it. So, you know, you've got to you've got to think through your cluster of variables and yeah. think about and and some things that you do as a business will affect the equation. So, I mean, you think about the market, yeah, and that's a really about your point. behavior in it. It's, you know, you think about think about that dynamic as well. And it's just a matter of thinking through how you're going to do business in in the world today, today, as it is today. And and that's just go with the flow, man. But you've got to understand the flow. <laughs> <laughs> you got to understand yeah. the flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a um, maybe. That's a good metaphor for our like drift boat folks. Go with the flow, but you have to understand the flow, right? Yeah. Like I've been on on many a fly fish drift boat where um, a a lesser guide would have probably not navigated the water very well because you got to read it as you go. Um, I, I dig that metaphor. That's cool. Thanks. Go Patrick. with the flow, but you have to understand the flow. Well, otherwise you drowned. Uh, yeah, yeah there's the end. There it is. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, all right, don't drown. I'm, I'm not planning on it. Thanks for listening to Inside the Outdoors, presented by People for Bikes and the Outdoor Industry Association. We'll see you next time. <laughs>